everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 533. Welcome to Jackson's Hole. Big Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, we, you know, we made the incorrect uh, assumption that football was over, but football is alive and well in the XFL. I mean, not for me, perhaps for you, but I will not be watching. I saw some highlights from the weekend's play, including, for some reason, ESPN really wanting me to know that there was the first ever pick six in this iteration of the XFL. Oh, and okay. uh, it wasn't a spectacular pick six, so it was not. And I don't think it's noteworthy enough that I have absolutely have to see it. But no, I for me, football is dead until August. But please tell me what your experience has been so far. Well, I haven't watched much, but I did catch the end of the St. Louis San Antonio game. I'm sorry if I don't know the mascots yet. I'm not that intertwined in the XFL lore. But um, St. Louis was down 15 to three and then scored a touchdown and then went opted for the three point point conversion (laughs) and successfully got the three point conversion. And then instead of kicking an onside kick, they then opted in for the other rule of taking a fourth and 15 on their own 25 and converted and then drove down the field and scored a touchdown and won the game in the last two minutes being down 15 to three due to some quirky rules that most people say improves the, I guess, viewership or watchability of the game. But to me is a very big loophole for a team to play like absolute shit an entire game and still somehow have a chance to win. I think maybe that's me being, uh, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people have a different opinion of that and, enjoy the fact that a game's never over but i think you should reward teams for play well, outplaying an opponent an entire game <laughs> it can still be over and let's not overstate how much they'd outplayed their opponent they were only up by two scores right so it's it wasn't as if they were 41-0 up and in the final 90 seconds just everything they just never touched the ball again i like the i i like replacing the onside kick because i do think they've just become pointless so yeah. I, I'm all in favor from the NFL's perspective in adopting something similar. Fourth and 15 seems too easy to convert to me, like a one 15-yard completion or a possible penalty on a play. Yep. That seems too easy to me. I think maybe fourth and 20 seems f- even 25 maybe. It's like doable. 20 sounds doable. Like the, the 15, like for, for the play that they converted on, he literally just ran a 15-yard out route. Yeah. He literally just ran to the 15, turned around, and got a pass on the side of the sideline. The three-point conversion just bugs me. Why stop at three? Why not just allow teams to keep going back 10 yards at a time and get an extra point? Like, I know well, there's a one, make... a two, and a three. Like I think no, I... the one, you have to go for the one as well. Yeah. No, no. You I see what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. But I'm just saying, why why stop at three? And I know you could apply the same rule to the NFL and say, why stop at two? But at least in the NFL, there's the clear distinction. One's a fairly consistent, easy-to-make easy kick, <laughs> and the other one's not a kick. But as soon as you start going, well, we can just shift you a little bit further back, and you can get some more points, why not allow yeah. a team to snap the ball on their Remove own one-yard line? No, snap it on their own one yard line and they get, you know, 25 points if they get a 99 yard touchdown. Why not? It would be thrilling. You know, imagine a team down 24 scoring a touchdown and then being like, well, we're going to win this thing. But the other rule, and I'm a big fan of kickoff. No, I'm a big fan of the Rich Eisen Eisen show. I know his reviews as a an actual like commentator are more mixed, but I like his radio show a lot and for the most part i agree with his takes however last week he's pretty passionate about some nfl rule changes from time to time one of the rules that really annoys him is the touchback you know when a when a player fumbles the ball through the end zone 
and it's a turnover. Mm-hmm. And I can understand why he thinks it's just arbitrary that you could fumble the ball and have it go out an inch one side of the pylon and you just get the ball there or you fumble it an inch the other side and you lose the ball and that seems sort of inconsistent. I kind of agree with him, but in my mind, and I know that the both the XFL and the USFL are, have both got a, got, gone, done away with that rule. I would rather just have every fumble out of bounds be a turnover. I don't oh, see no why. Way. That's crazy. Why not? But why not? You, you, because not you, every fumble in the field of play is a turnover. No, but it's saying you've lost possession of the ball and you failed to recover it. So no, you, stop trying to put your rugby spin on shit. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much every sport. I don't know why we had to specifically isolate rugby, but to me, that would at least have consistency. Then of like, well, if you do it through the end zone, you then the other team goes to their twenty. But otherwise, fumble the ball out of bounds. I feel like that should be a, a turnover on every play. Now, I don't agree with that because I think it's unfair that just because you're on the sidelines versus in the middle of the field, if you fumble the ball, then you're going to be like penalized for it. Well, or penalized, <laughs> turned into a pentagram. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's like saying, you know, in football or rugby or a host of sports where the ball can go out of play. Oh, why am I being punished for the fact that I happened to kick the ball out? But there are a lot more turnovers in European football than there are in American football. Sure. I mean, you're looking at a sport that there's like maybe three turnovers a game versus a sport where there's dozens. Yeah, I know. But imagine, I mean, how many times in the NFL, in an NFL season, does a fumble go out of bounds? Let's say 20 times over the course of a season. Way more than that. I think way more than that. No. You think there's more than one? 20 times? Wait. You think there's more than one a week? One a week. You think there's more than one a week? In 15 games? Yes, I think out of 15 games a week, there's one fumble out of bounds, at least. No, I I disagree with you. But let's even, let's go crazy. There's two a week. I think you'd probably say there's not more than two a week. How much more exciting would that play be if it leads to a turnover? I think you should punish people for not not holding on to the ball. (laughs) Like, I don't see why... But then why why not just make any time a player loses possession of the ball be a turnover? No, it's different though. I mean that's that's not the same because you have you're basically saying you have the ability to lose the ball and you have the ability to, re- to regain possession. But if the ball goes out of play, but that's what I'm saying is like, what, but why is it un? But if you have that, then why is it unfair that you can't regain possession just because there's an arbitrary out of bound line? Where, where How about does... instead we change the rule to if you fumble, there is no out of bounds. Anything goes. <laughs> that's, you can push players ridiculous. out of the way to get the ball. I like that rule. See, I find you're going to be consistent. Be this, consistent. This is a surprising take from you because you're the guy who likes to try and come up with new rules that kind of shift the balance more in favor of the defensive side of things. And you're basically saying, I do. You're basically saying you should have to have possession taken away from you. And I'm saying, no, you can just lose possession. And so you're saying, well, why? I, my argument is, you have the ability, you have the field of play to regain possession. The re- you're saying the defense has the field of play to gain possession. I just think you should be punished for sloppily allowing the ball to go out of bounds when it was in your possession. I, I can get on board with you with that, except that last part you said. Like I think if you want to say you should be punished for being sloppy with ball possession, well, that does not sound right, but <laughs> then I am fine. Like, then I think... I would agree with you, but then it would have to be any time there's a fumble. No, I think it should automatically different. play stop and then turn it around. It's completely- But I think just because someone is catching a pass in the middle of the field and fumbles it, that they have a chance to recover versus someone catching something on the sidelines and getting it knocked down, but not being have the opportunity to possess it just because there's this arbitrary line of out of bounds. Well, I think that's unfair. I mean, I don't know the number of times when someone would have, I think the fumbler is rarely going to be the person who's recovering a fumble in the situations where they've lost the ball close to the sidelines. So I would almost say if you didn't have the arbitrary out of bounds, the defense is far more likely to be recovering a fumble that ends up going out of bounds. Nine times out of 10, when you see a fumble go out of bounds, it's like, oh boy, 
like three defensive players would have got to that, but it just went out of bounds. And so if anything, it's the defense. It's like the offense gets let off the hook of like, wow, good thing that thing bounced out. You know, it's rare that you see one where you're like, oh gosh, the offense was so close to picking that thing up and probably taking it for even more yards. Good, lucky for the defense that that arbitrary line was there. Anyway, we've dedicated enough time to a rule that will not be changed. (laughs) But but Maybe. Yeah. But did you see the other rule that, might actually be changed with the kickoff. Have you seen that? The new kickoff format in XFL? I have not, no. So the kicker kicks where they normally kick, but the uh, the um, defensive team lines up like 30 yards in front of them, and then only like 10 yards in front of them is the receiving team lines up. And then there's one like return man in the back. So that way the like defense can't get a running start and be full speed contacting a return team that's going full speed at them. If you see what I'm saying, like they only have like 10 yards of separation between them. Yeah. I mean, so it limits the, I guess the speed of hits yeah. in a kickoff. Uh, if you're going to do that, you may as well just get rid of kickoffs. Yeah. I don't see do why. <laughs> no, but I mean, just, just, just give the ball, the opposition, the ball on, just go here, change the possession. Here you go. Oh, you've opted to re- you've opted to like instead of receiving a kickoff to start the game, you go. Oh, we've opted to take the ball. There we go. The only people who really get upset about that are a handful of special teams players, like specialist kickoff returners who are probably out of a job now, and I guess some gunners who also maintain their you know place on a squad as a result, and also obviously kickers because somehow in the NFL they've managed to con teams into having consistently not only just a specialist kicker, but a specialist field goal kicker, a specialist punter. And then one of them does kickoffs. Like it's crazy then. And I know there's some people will tell me how, how much it hurts their knees and stuff, but it, it just blows my mind that you can have that level of specialization for something that you only need to do 10 times a game. Like it's crazy to me. But yeah, uh, overall, I mean, I watched a little bit of the XFL. I was watching it on Sunday when I was switching back with the golf and seeing if uh, golf was good. I did. John Rom could could have a little implosion at the end, but he did not. So, <laughs> wow, I'm a big John Rom fan, so I was happy to see him. I, no, I, I I have nothing against him, but you know, sometimes it's fun to see <laughs> it go down to like the last hole. But he did not. <laughs> Yeah. See, now this is a scenario where I would like to see oh, a competition at the end. Yeah, okay. So the arbitrary out-of-bounds rules in golf. Why do I have to be punished? Because my ball went three inches yeah. over that line. But no, yeah, the golf was... But no, he, he played pretty well. The golf was exciting. Uh, there was some, And that was a, you know, a huge putt that he sank to, to retake the lead. Uh, and from yeah. then on, it just felt like momentum. Again, Bill Barnwell can suck it if he thinks momentum doesn't exist. Because Max Homa completely lost all sort of ability to cleanly strike a ball and, and complete holes, and John Rahm was on fire from that moment on, basically. But what I did watch yesterday, being Sunday, I did watch all of the NBA All Star Game. Something that I oh my god, why did you do that to yourself? All 375 points or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, so uh, at first I didn't think I was going to watch it. I kind of wanted to see the draft just for that gimmicky element because, you know, they draft the teams immediately before the game itself. And that shows you it's a serious game. that they're. See, now this – talk about I, I don't expect things. This is something I don't expect you to want to see them draft each other with how, like – I don't know. I just I don't like the atmosphere of that. <laughs> I like the politics that goes into the selection process then. And that just that was the thing that interested me. I was like, well, who, you know, how is Giannis gonna order his picks? Who is LeBron gonna take? Um, but for starters, why have an all-star game coach if you're drafting the teams mere minutes before tip off? Like what is the coach supposed to do? They're not running plays. There's obviously been a huge backlash after the game, both players and coaches saying, uh, I mean, the one coach called it possibly the worst game of basketball ever played. Um, 
it was called a, <laughs> a glorified layup line. It was yep. pretty pathetic to watch. I watched about five minutes just because it like happened to pass through my channels. And then I was like, let me watch so I can say something. And then I was like, eh, <laughs> no, this is awful. The worst part about it too, because they now, since Kobe Bryant's death, you know, the fourth quarter, whichever team is winning at the end of the third quarter, they add 24 points to their score. And then that becomes the target score to win the game. There's no clock anymore aside from shot clocks, but it just now the fourth quarter in the end, because one team was up by, I'm say like in, in the double digits going into the f- end of the fourth. So it was clear they were going to win. Like there was just no chance that the other team was going to go on like a, uh, you know, 35 to 10 50 run. Nothing run. Yeah. <laughs> in an all-star game where people are barely playing defense, like you can't exactly shut them down. But in the end, the final point, I mean, it just devolved into people jacking up threes from pretty much anywhere in the hope that they were going to hit the game-winning three. And it was just pitiful to watch. I mean, really, really. I can't see who it serves. And I think that's the... I don't know how you fix it. In the in the end, I just think you should get rid of... You know, it's my feeling on the Pro Bowl. I think you should just get rid of all-star games altogether because I don't know who gets anything out of them. But it's... I don't know. What about how- the dunk contest and the three-point shootout? So the dunk contest this year was saved by one player. Yeah. Just because it was novel to see a fairly short white guy who had only just been called up to the NBA pull off some pretty spectacular dunks. What they're basically Did you see he made did you see he made more money or almost just as much money winning the dunk contest as his contract? <laughs> yeah, I mean what they're basically saying there is the dunk contest shouldn't be NBA players. You should just get the best dunkers around the world to come and put yeah. on a dunk contest show, which I don't think would really interest people. But fundamentally, but this, that's like, kind of yeah. what you're saying. But that's like what like what bothers me about these all-star games is you hear the players like, oh yeah, it's all for the fans. It's all for the fans. Like we want to, we want to give it back to the fans that come and support us like game in and game out, blah, blah. But it's like, oh, you want to do the dunk contest? Oh no, no, no. I'm not going to do that. No, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll I'll sit there and watch. Like then what the fuck are you here for? Like it's not that difficult for you to enter a dunk contest and do five dunks and call it, call it an all-star game. I did listen to the JJ Reddick podcast today. Something I rarely do. What's going on with you lately? Just, <laughs> Rich you know, Eisen, JJ Reddick. Got all Jesus this free Christ. time post NFL season. I got to fill it. You know, I've got hours to fill. Uh, I, I did listen to it. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of the JJ Reddick podcast. Opposite of that's one of the worst takes I ever had. By the way, did I ever tell you that story? No, I don't even know what. The, the, oh, is oh, it about JJ Reddick going to be a, an all star when you? Well, it was, it was uh, me and my roommate, friend of the podcast, Dan, uh, when we were in college, it was just when Reddick was getting drafted and we like put up a flyer outside our door that said like, JJ Reddick is my coworker because <laughs> we didn't think he'd ever make it in the NBA. And then he had like a, what, 13 year career. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the elite shooters of the game. Yeah, that was called that wrong. Yeah. Well, we figured if you can't take your T-shirt off to play in a game, that you're not going to have the. <laughs> He's just the, basically uh, saying he's ability. <laughs> no, I think he was just like really nervous. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think for I think for the most part, almost every white person should wear a T-shirt under an, a basketball uniform. Like I think there are very few white guys who look good. <laughs> this is- now this, now this is the the cut we take. There are very few white guys that look good. Cut that clip. <laughs> no, but genuinely, I think there are very few like white NBA players where you go, you wouldn't be better served having. A lot of them get saved now because even if they're not wearing a t-shirt, they're now wearing like compression shirts and stuff, or at least a single compression sleeve, and that's saving you. If you're not pulling that look off, like it's it's a it just doesn't look as good. There's just no planet on which you it looks as good. But anyway, he he made the argument that it, it we probably underestimate just how tedious the days are around the NBA All-Star weekend. 
and that actually if you do if you play in the all-star game and you do the dunk contest and potentially for some of them maybe also the three-point contest that's just three days from hell like you want to kind of have it as an opportunity to recharge a little bit and you're signing yourself up for constant media appearances constant events you have to go to plus the actual and i and i think the other point that he made which is pretty strong one is what good can come from it you enter your john morant you enter the dunk contest you miss a couple of your dunks it's just going to be the internet shitting on you like you kind of have nothing (laughs) but you have nothing to win anymore like it's just going to be people saying why do you have to win something no i don't mean do it for like the tons of fans that want to see you participate in something. But when I say win, I don't mean win the dunk contest. I mean, I know what you mean. The people like, themselves, yeah. you say all these fans, but in reality, there's going to be, if John Morant had entered the dunk contest and not won, then all those people calling for John Morant to enter the dunk contest would have, you would have had all these takes on the internet of, I always wanted John Morant to be in the dunk contest. Turns out he's a fucking fraud. Couldn't even win it. What a fucking waste of time. You know, like, it's just going to be people sort of ripping into his dunking ability, which not that he should care one way or another, but like I can get why it would, it's boring. I wouldn't, you know, if you're kind of a nobody, it's a, it's but, a cool thing to have in your career. If you're hoping to be a genuine all-star within the game and not from an all-star weekend perspective, but like a real all-star who cares. But I, I think, I don't think the 35-year-old living in Paris, France is the target audience for the All-Star game. I think it's the younger kids who are looking up to these people and want to see their idol do cool things. I mean... Because I agree with you. I, I mean, personally, at this point, like I think the All-Star games are, are a joke, too. Like I, I would never, ever want to go to one. But I think there are a ton of younger kids out there who think it would be like the coolest thing ever to go to a game where like all of their favorite players are playing or there or doing you know, cool things like participating in a dunk contest or a three-point shootout, things like that. Dunk contest, no. Because here's the thing. There's no new dunks to do. We're just seeing slight variations of the same dunks. Like we've maxed out the capacity to dunk until someone can leap over the backboard. Like we've, the, at best you can get, that guy jumped slightly higher than the other. Like, wow, that was a, you know, there's no real variation to add at this point. Some of the skills contests, which they could improve. Yes. That could interest you as a kid, the three point contest, at least because it's cool to see someone just drain three after three. Then even though that is the, you've seen it before to me, that's more interesting than, wow, that was a good dunk. Oh, that was a good dunk. You know what I mean? Like it's, but, and I think there could be a solid argument for, the three-point contest and Steph Curry does it when he's uninjured. Like, why wouldn't you do it to a certain extent? I, I can get it more, but I think that in general leagues just need to be more creative. If you're going to have an all-star weekend, just be more creative in the types of types of events you put on. Yeah. I mean, I think they should completely just get rid of games. I I, I mean, hockey, hockey is, the, is, still not very good it's like a slightly better version of basketball where they don't they don't not play defense but they don't really play real defense like they get in the way but they don't actually do anything so even that it's the only thing that makes it fun is they do three on three which is fun to watch because it's a different format and you get to see the players spread it out a little bit and and you know get some real nice plays going so that's like i can deal with that but even that is questionable. But again, like the skills competition of the hockey, that's fun. And maybe that's just because hockey is easy to do skills on. It's a, it's like there's plus it's translatable hockey. skills, it's like ho- it's ho- hardest shot, accuracy, it, fastest skater. That's easy. But it's also it's hockey hardos. Like people who like the like hockey, they're just not going to be critical of anything. To, I'm not saying you specifically, but just in general, it's like. I like hockey. I must like hockey. I must be into all hockey like this. It's a much more like personality determining factor. Like you're a hockey guy at a certain point and there's a lot of judgment, you know, it's uh, like 
you're either all in on being a hockey guy or you can fuck off. We don't want you. Like, oh, you're a 30, you're a 30 year old trying to become interested in the NHL. Sorry, we got no space for you. And so I think Man, someone's having a case of the Mondays. <laughs> no, it's true. There are certain sports where people feel like you have to prove yourself to be a real fan. And then it's like liking a up and coming rock band. That's what NHL fans are like. They don't want it to become that popular because then it would lose, like it would be less their thing. And at the same time, it means that they, they're going to accept the shitty album, but they probably shouldn't because still it's their band. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of get what you're saying, but I think the other issue though is with hockey, you have these very easy skills, not easy, but like easy to see skills that the players actually do. Whereas the NFL could do that. Like the NFL could take the quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks in the NFL and do like longest throw, hardest throw. But instead one, no one, no one wants to participate. They get uh, like Tyler Huntley to participate. And two, they won't, and two, they won't do it because because they won't do it. No, the quarterback skills contest is exactly what you're describing. Basically minus a, a radar gun. But I mean, they don't do the longest throw. I would love to see Josh Allen versus Mahomes do a longest throw. That would no be one's cool. going to sign up for a longest throw because do you know how angry people would be if Josh <laughs> Allen misses the next season of football because like a complete dumbass, he tried to throw his arm off of his body to satisfy Frank Duca. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's... See, but this is something hockey players don't care about and they'll do a hardest shot. <laughs> no, because you're not going to hurt yourself with a slap shot. Oh, yes, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Throwing a ball is different. I agree with you. Like kicking, for example. Yeah. I mean, why don't you have, I would watch a field goal contest that was just the kickers going further and further back. I'd be on board with that. Let's see how far. I mean, we see those videos that go viral of them, like in their summer training camps, nailing 80 yarders. Why not do that in, you know? Yeah, no, it'd be cool. Like, and I mean, I know you don't agree, but I would love to see, you know, they, they do fastest skater. I would love to see fastest position for, but they would never, ever do that. Like, there's no way Tyreek Hill would line up and run his absolute max against someone else. One, because like what you say with basketball, like there's nothing to gain from it. Cause if he loses, there goes like his cheetah persona. Yeah. And then two, if he pulls a groin, he's going to get a lot of shit for it. I'd rather see a sprint contest between non-fast positions. Like linemen? Yeah. Who's the fastest center in the NFL? Let's have a race. That would be interesting. I don't really need to see. Yeah. I know all the wide receivers who are fast. If one of them is marginal. Yeah, which one's the fastest, Eddie? Oh, we could probably narrow it down to two or three. And if one of them's going to win. And then my, have a great race. <laughs> We're going to have a uh, university track meet. I don't watch those normally. You know what I mean? Like, so I'll tell you what, but would you, here's one. Would you like to see McCaffrey versus Barkley? In just a sprint? Yeah. Not particularly. I mean, it wouldn't. I would. If you told me right now you had a video of them racing, I'd probably watch it, but I'm not saying it makes my day you know it doesn't what if i told you what if i told you christian mccaffrey had a t-shirt on would that help you watch it would you be okay then it's not about (laughs) not having a shirt on (laughs) it's the shirt under the i'm a fan of the college approach of the shirt under the jersey that's my point i'm not saying don't take your shirt off i'm not saying wear a shirt in a pool i'm not going that far that's not a move i'm on board with unless you're in like I get it when people do it for skin care protection reasons. I understand. And, you know, like Australians are really on board with the, with the clothing for pool. I get it. You don't want skin cancer. I understand. If you're living in the sun, keep the shirt on. But, other, you know, but anyway, final take on the NBA All-Star game. Just to wrap okay. it up. It kicked off with Vin Diesel. I don't know if you saw this bit. Uh, introducing the no, NBA All-Star game. 
I have probably never seen someone be worse at kind of emceeing an event. He just looked lost. He also had clearly memorized his lines. So there was nothing organic about, I mean, we're not talking about the greatest actor of all time here, right? So it was not an incredible performance. And then on top of it, it sounded like, and maybe this in stadium, it was different. And he was just done a disservice by the TV coverage, but it sounded like there was no reaction coming to anything that he said. (laughs) I felt sorry for him. And at the end of it, I think he even accepted that was probably a bad idea. Like my attempts to promote whatever this is, Fast 10. I don't even know which which version we're on now. Not know, Eddie. Come on. I don't know. I haven't seen a Fast and the Furious movie since like 2003. So It's all about the family, Eddie. <laughs> he, he, he said that as part of this, his speech. I'm sure he did. That's all, he ever, that's all Dom Toretto ever says. It's always He's, family. He said... <laughs> He said that it's something about the NBA players entertaining him and his family. That was part of his line. It seemed weirdly specific and unnecessary, but yeah. But anyway, complete failure of a weekend. Uh, What's but- funny, though, that you say that is his longtime feudist. I don't know what that person he feuds with. The Rock. Uh the Rock also gave his little pep talk speech for the XFL. I don't know if you heard that, but... I just I just can't get on board with The Rock. Like he's so gimmicky and it's so annoying that just because he's a steroided out guy, he thinks like he can give motivational speeches. And then the one that kills me is he talked about them like always having a chip on your shoulder and this is your opportunity to prove people wrong. And then he said that he's always has a chip on his shoulder. Like who's doubting him about what? Like oh. at this point I- No, I think that's true, but right, there's people who that continues to motivate them, right? That's the Michael Jordan, Tom Brady you're focusing in on the one person who says you never totally believed in you. I get it. At some point, but if we else... go after Kelsey and Joe Burrow, we also have to go after the rock for saying it. No, I think that's the guy who's the highest paid person in Hollywood. No, I think saying you have a bit of a chip on your shoulder, you have to have that to keep motivating yourself. I think that's different to the nobody believed in us. There are extremes. Like there's a spectrum there. One is, Hey, you, you specifically, you didn't believe in me and I've shoved it down your throat versus the whole world doubted us. And I, when we prove them wrong, that I can't take. If you want to say, if Joe Burrow wants to go on TV and say, you, Stephen A. Smith, you didn't believe me. I was going to say the same person. <laughs> yeah, you know, like whoever it is, if he wants to pick people out and go, now shut the fuck up. I proved you wrong. I never want to hear from you again saying that I'm not good enough you know, whatever, I'm fine with that. But once you start saying the whole world doubted me when, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90% of the world thinks you're very, very good and possibly the best at it, that's a tougher pill to swallow. But yeah, The Rock, also, the I mean, The Rock embarrassed himself with that one weird Super Bowl speech, right? The difference too between The Rock and the uh, Vin Diesel one is the rock is like trying to be the motivator for the players at the same time. Vin Diesel was just trying to get the like crowd going. Like, hey, we're about to watch a really cool event. He just failed at emceeing. The rock is actually making himself like part of the spectacle. Like he thinks in his head, probably, I'm gonna go out there and nail this. And these players are gonna give them even more than they were just because of how inspirational I was. <laughs> so that that was most of my Sporting viewing, I guess. Also the Premier League where. Yeah, I mean, that's what I should have started with. I think, (laughs) you know, I I need to come on. I need to come on and I got to I got to apologize to Sam. I don't know why I ever doubted Arsenal. I'm I'm back to being a believer. No, no, no. No No one has to apologize to Sam. We can remove Sam from the discussion. Arsenal, they. Well, I think I went after him personally. So that's why I want to apologize. Still don't need to apologize. Arsenal proved they passed the test. Now, it's a test that they may not have needed to have passed. They put themselves into a hole, and they did manage to dig themselves out of it. But, And that was important because, you know, last episode I did say I thought the title race could have potentially been over on Saturday. With At halftime, it was starting to look that way. But they did what good teams 
do and they weren't at their best. They managed to get some late goals and and get a win that they probably didn't deserve. Uh, and then City slipped up with you know Nottingham Forest having their first shot on target in the 82nd or 83rd minute or whatever it was and equalizing when City probably should have already been four goals clear. I'm not going to say I don't think the I don't think the the scales have tilted and back in Arsenal's favor, but it at least puts them totally back within their own control. I still think City will catch them. I mean, it, at this point, United might catch them. No, yeah, serious case. Marcus Rashford just won't stop. He's, God, unbelievable. Yeah, he's on. He's on a one-man mission to drag... I mean... If him and Saka could have scored this much in the World Cup, it would have been a different story. <laughs> well, I guess Rashford didn't get the same opportunity to play, would be the argument, when he did get the chance. Sure, and he did score when he could play, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, but no, it's... Um, yeah, he's on a... He's on an impressive... In a rich vein of form, it's super impressive. And, and yeah, United aren't totally out of it. Like, it's... They're doing just enough, and the, uh, the teams above them slipping up just enough that... You know, they might be there or there. Like, they might have a chance with three or four matches left. It might require only a three bit back of, a city right now. So, yeah, but it might require a little bit of a miracle at some point. You know, it might be <laughs> we're four points back with two with three games to play. So, mathematically, we're in with a chance, but realistically, we're not. But you never know. Crazier things have happened. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, and look, it's delivering uh, an exciting title race. And really, that's as a neutral, we're both neutrals. That's really all that we can hope for. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was as soon as we discussed that, you know, every match is important for Arsenal and and that we aren't worried about City and City have that real nice slip up and Arsenal come out and, and put a stamp on the weekend. But my opinion, in a sense, hasn't changed because... I don't think there will be a moment where doubt seriously creeps into City and the wheels come off. I think that can happen to Arsenal. Like, I can see if they have two or three matches in a row where they drop points, that their heads will drop and that things will just fall apart. And with City, just because they have they've been there, done that resilience, I think they'll always know, okay, that was a bad result. All right, we haven't been good for a couple of weeks but we know what we can do and we will turn this around and even, and they'll tell themselves then, Oh, we're, you know, even if they're six, seven points behind, they'll slip up. Whereas I think the reverse, if, if that gap started to grow with city ahead of Arsenal, I think they'll start to feel like city won't slip up and that they're not good enough to keep up with them. I also have to say that uh, Arteta, he's starting to annoy me. I think he went overboard in the criticism of the referees and asking for the two points back after the the VAR uh, review system was messed up. I think even when you see him on the touchlines now too, with how he's celebrating some of the goals, it's a little. He needs to just calm down a bit. Like, <laughs> you know, if, there's a guy who's clearly drinking too much of the nobody believes in us Kool Aid and. You know, he also came out and said every neutral wants Arsenal to win the league. I mean, I for one will put it on record. I don't, and I'm a neutral. So there well, we go. You so fifty fifty. <laughs> You'll change, Frank. You're you're a flip flopper when it comes to this. You'll have changed your tune by next week. But on that note, do we move on to the the latest episode of The Last of Us? Yeah, we definitely can. So, spoilers ahead if you have not watched the latest episode and you are interested. Of just this episode, Eddie. Let's make sure we, uh, <laughs> okay, well, we're on the same page here. Spoilers for this episode, which not we'll for the whole show. Right, which I will kick into right now. Obviously, this episode ended with Joel being stabbed and looking as if he may be on his way out. I think listeners of this podcast who are unfamiliar with the story from the video games, which we still don't know how much they will, you know, move away from at different moments in time. Either way, I think me spoiling the fact 
And in the video game, at least, he does eventually die. Has increased the enjoyment for listeners of this podcast because you now have to take seriously the fact that he might be dying in what you're watching. And I think, had I not spoiled that, you would be sitting there thinking, there's no way Pedro Pascal dies, so he will be fine. Oh, here's the issue, Eddie. It wasn't the only thing you spoiled. You also spoiled and said that they will be going to Salt Lake City. So the fact that I know that their destination is Salt Lake City and that you said they will be going, I know he's going to Salt Lake City. So your your culmination of spoilers over these last months. Oh, come on. <laughs> Give me a break on the Salt Lake City one. That one, we've already seen them move away. Like maybe they don't go to Salt Lake City because we've already seen them go to cities that they don't go to in the video game. So, yeah, because there was only a map in this episode, and they literally said all all pins point to Salt Lake City. But maybe. So let's go to Vegas. Hey, sometimes when everyone's zigging, you zag. But I don't think we really have to do too much of a breakdown of the episode itself. I have two. I have one gripe overall, and I'm I'm loving the show, so I want it to be positives. However, her, um, Ellie, as a character who's fundamentally been not experienced the real world, having grown up in a contained area with little exposure to anything beyond that existence and then some books she has access to, seemingly quite extensive based on her knowledge of space travel. But her... Her familiarity with everything she comes into contact with, aside from cars, which was like the thing she, no idea how a car works. Even to- though they had them in the in the QZ. Totally comfortable <laughs> on a horse. That's yeah. Just right on the horse. Knows, knows what a horse is, hops on the back of it, no problem. Takes to it like a duck to water. Lots of references that she throws out, like there's in the speech... You know, like there's way she fires back on certain things that seems difficult to me if you really just hadn't experienced the world. Like the dialogue may be a little too advanced for someone whose world knowledge would be far more limited. It's not a huge drawback, but it is just something that every once in a while you realize there's maybe some inconsistency here with her ability to kind of have learned about the world without experiencing any of it. Yeah, the beginning of this episode, I mean, again, I'll also say I I love this show and I think it's the best show I've seen in a very long time. The beginning of the episode, she was borderline, like bordering that level for me of being like too annoying and too and like, uh, like stereotypical childish behavior where it's like you would see that in, in a subpar show, but in a really good show. You wouldn't expect it where like the whole thing about the river and she's like, oh, we're crossing the scary river. But it's like you've been going for someone with three months now and clinging to your life with this person. You think at some point it would click in like this is some serious shit, but she's still acting like a child with like, oh, it's the scary river they talked about. It's like, no, haven't you seen multiple people die in front of your eyes? Like, I I think you would have a different perspective. She's seen everybody (laughs) die and she lives in a zombie apocalypse. So you think yeah. like, you so have to be real assholes but, to, yeah. to live in a world that is completely fallen apart and two people tell you, don't go across that river, just death there and be like, oh, is it? Is it? Yeah. It's like. And, and especially with Joel, like, because she obviously respects Joel a lot. And when you see Joel's reaction, like he is concerned and he is nervous about it. So I, I get that maybe she's a, she's a kid in the sense that she's always going to question what people say and, and mock it. But then when you look at the person you look up to and they are concerned or have general reservations, then you think it would change her attitude. And and it was just the beginning of the episode, like towards the end, then, you know, she like shifted and she was more thoughtful and and more scared and more open. So 
it didn't bother me too much. But at the, the first 10 or 15 minutes, I was like, oh, if this is the type of fucking prick she's going to become. Then like, I really don't care too much at this point, you know, but it definitely the attitude definitely changed on the second half of the episode. And it was way, way, way better. Yeah. Um, the interactions between them. And, and look, they were also really casual riding in to that university complex where they'd been told possibly infected definitely okay they want to meet the fireflies but the fireflies don't necessarily want to meet them and they're just strolling in on the back of the horse having a chat gun not particularly you know being used attentively that was a little bit strange also when he then tried to get on the horse as they tried to escape initially he went to holster the rifle which seemed like an unnecessary step when you're trying to get away as fast as possible. Like there's no reason why he couldn't have hopped on the back of the horse holding the gun in one hand or giving the gun yeah. to her. But instead he's like, oh, no, no, I must take proper gun safety right now that I have not you know, paid attention to up until this moment. My other question, we, we're routinely seeing them experience pretty nice areas of the world and turn their turn their back on them in pursuit of i don't know what like i can get the kind of the commitment to the idea of creating a vaccine to save the world but when you go to jackson and it looks like pretty much life is back to normal there and you could have a life that arguably is better than the one he had before the apocalypse minus his daughter being dead. Why wouldn't you just stay? Like, what's the motivation to, to go anywhere else? Well, I think life's better, but it's stuck. You know, like you're live, you're living in a permanent 2003, you know, like the movies they're watching, like they haven't, no movies have been released in 20 years. No advancements in technology have happened in 20 years. You know, they're still relying on everything from 2003. So I think, yes, that is, it is nice compared to the QZ and other things they were living in, but there will never be an advancement past that, you know, like. <laughs> but why not? If they, if they've got electricity, everything they have, at some point there will be an advancement. Someone will make a new movie. Very, 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 very slowly advancements. <laughs> but I mean, there's only what they say, like 80 people in the whole town or something like that. To, no, I think, well, maybe, yeah. No, it was a, yeah. No, it was a 300, I think she said. Oh, was it? I think okay. it was 300. I thought it was like, like. It was definitely more than, than 80 because think of how many people were watching that movie. Like that was like 80 kids. You know, when they were. Yeah, it was a lot. I, I don't know. I just think that life looked pretty good. Like that life, that's the life people dream. I mean, his description, you could be anything in this world. What would you be? A remote sheep farmer. And then you do come across pretty nice place where you could be a remote sheep farmer. And you go, no, actually, I want to keep going. Well, he wants to be a singer. He can't be a singer there, Eddie. There's no, of course there's no new, new entertainment. He <laughs> could be the entertainment. He would be the star. He's the only attraction in town this is what he's dreamt of but what if he's no good and he gets booed off well, then <laughs> he's got nowhere else to that's no not, other stage to grace the vaccine <laughs> isn't gonna change that you know but though that's my only thought is like uh, when you see how nice that existence looked and maybe over the course of the tv show they'll reveal to us perhaps that all is not well there that isn't me foreshadowing or spoiling anything it's just you know maybe yeah the the 24 hours they were there looked pretty good but if you were there on a, the house they were in very nice i mean just why wouldn't you stay well it's also i mean it's also very selective like yes he could stay but they can't have a large population in there it's going to be like you're not saving the world with jackson's whole wyoming you're you're say you're creating a safe environment for let's say 200 people. Well, but you can never have like the world can never get back to normal. Just Jackson's I think whole can. I think you're overstating or overthinking how much, how worldly the average person's life existence is. 
you're, it's like the, the average person is not some globe trotter being like, thank God I can still go to Rome next year. No, no, I know. I don't mean it like that. I, I mean it in the sense that it's like, even if they took all the people who aren't infected right now, they all couldn't live in Jackson's hole. So there's people out Jackson. outside of Jackson. Oh. <laughs> the one guy's hole. <laughs> Jackson hole. <laughs> Wait, yeah, I understand your point, but I, where I live right now, I can't take every the whole world's population and cram it in here either. I'm not, and I'm not losing my mind over it. In Paris's hole, <laughs> yeah, in Edward's hole, not room enough for everybody. <laughs> so I, I do understand what you're saying, but like, he doesn't. Neither of them have anybody else anywhere else. So it's not. It's like okay, everybody I know and care about in the world is in this location. Uh, it's like, but there might be some stranger living in Salt Lake City who I might want to spend some time with. For her, it would have been the, maybe the first possibility to have a real non-adult life of not constantly worrying about your next day. For him, could have gone back to, I mean, he was a construction don't worker. Don't you have the responsibility, Eddie, to save the world if you have the tools to save it? That's the only component. I mean, maybe you can go back once the, once you're done. You know, like you drop off the blood and then you go back to Jackson's Hole. That's the only... Burrow up in there and have a nice life up in Jackson's. <laughs> That's the only compelling argument. But then part of me would think if you're him, not her, her, I can get her commitment, both she's the one carrying the possible sort of magic potion and also she's young she wants her vision for what she wants to achieve she even says it she wants to go to the moon she wants to go in space she needs the world to kind of get back to what it was him i mean his expectations for his life are so low and if anything you'd say your role in jackson hole in under these circumstances is more significant, more meaningful, and better than it will be once the world goes back to normal. Like the world will go back to normal yeah. and he'll just be, an, uh, and I don't mean this in a dismissive sense, but he'll just be, uh, you know, kind of uneducated construction worker who managed to survive the- Contractor. Well, yeah, <laughs> who managed to survive the apocalypse. But otherwise he's kind of, you know, a little bit of a special person if the world stays the way it is. I mean, they seem to be decently advanced in Jackson. Can't they just take her blood and then FedEx it to Salt Lake City? I mean, do they have to bring the whole body over? Can't they just remove some blood and ship it overnight? <laughs> there is a solid argument there. I mean, I guess here's the issue is he's not willing to tell anyone. Yeah. The weird, and that's the other weird thing. Their reasons for not wanting to tell people seem wrong to me. I can understand not wanting to tell people because you don't want them to take her to try and kind of make the vaccine. He's worried that if someone else finds out, they won't believe that she's immune. But if they've been interacting with her, like say she stayed there for two weeks and then they tell her, tell them, by the way, she's immune. These people aren't going to suddenly think, oh, my God, she's about to turn into a zombie. Like, they've seen enough. I, I don't know. I might. I, I, I would just play the you never know and better safe than sorry card there. And shoot I her mean, in the head? Just there and then? <laughs> yeah. Just throw her in the river. Now, for me, I think those they know the progression time of the virus, right? So they would know there's no way you've been... But maybe it's like a mutated form of the virus that takes weeks to, to develop. Or I don't know. I just think you wouldn't risk that whole thing that they've built for one person that you barely know. I think I would throw her out of my hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe. But I still think the more likely outcome would be someone else for their own selfish purposes being like, no, 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 we're going to develop a vaccine 
just for Jackson Hole or, you know, for a select group of people and kind of politicizing her immunity almost. That would be my fear is that she is a, yeah. an important chess piece in this world. But they're more worried about people just being like, oh my God, you might, you've been bitten? Shoot her. I, my only con- criticism about this episode isn't a criticism of the episode, but just of the, the character. I mean, is, is Joel overstating his, his friendship with his brother? Because there was no reason his brother couldn't have said, like, oh, you're going to go with her? I can also go with you and help you. Yeah. Like, why is that not a situation? Oh, you came all this way? Like, you fought for three months to come out and find me? Oh, you're going to go? All right, see you later, bud. <laughs> hey, good catching up. You know, like, I get it. You have a wife and you have a kid. But at the same time, like, if they really were that close, well, why, why didn't you just go with them? The argument being he was going to go. Yeah, so he was going to go anyway. So Isn't two better than one? He's obviously <laughs> ma- had a discussion with his wife. Everything. So you've kind of, the damage has been done in terms of whatever, you know, as anyone would know, you have that argument in your relationship. Once you've had the argument, you may as well go through with whatever you fought for, even if you change your mind. Because you can't say, oh, actually, I don't want to go out now. And then they'll be, oh, you didn't want to even go in the first place and you put me through all of that. Like, why? How can I trust you in the future if you're, you know, going to be so easily swayed? You know, like she obviously already thinks her husband might be a bit of an idiot based on the dialogue with uh, <laughs> with Ellie. So she doesn't have the highest, you know, not exactly. She doesn't hold him in the highest regard. But I mean, how much, how much love does he have for his brother if his brother tells him that, he doesn't think he can survive and doesn't think he can handle it. And then his brother volunteers to go. And then he's like, oh, yeah, oh, last night you did tell me you're probably not going to make it. I could go and help you. No, eh, he didn't it. just tell him he's not going <laughs> to make it. Some brother. <laughs> he, just, he told him he's losing his hearing so he can't hear people coming up on him. He's slow because he's getting old. He feels like his heart is going to give out at any moment. Yeah. And he also just kind of doesn't have the overall mindset necessary to kill people when he needs to and the brother goes you'll be okay don't (laughs) don't worry about it you'll get back to the old joel i know the ruthless killer some brother here i got one of those old-fashioned ear horns for you you know like just (laughs) hold that up while you make it and then almost thought about not giving him the rifle too yeah yeah Yeah, didn't just volunteer the rifle. Had to be asked for it. Oh, you need a gun? Oh, God. You guys are needy as fuck. Ah, shit. (laughs) Same thought went through my mind. Didn't I just tell you how cool the scope was I put on this thing? Like, come on. Same thought also went through my mind. Why didn't they give them two horses? Now, again, I know maybe she can't ride a horse properly, but if all they're going to be doing, they weren't exactly riding quickly at any moment in time. And if he took the time to teach her how to shoot, he could have taken the time to teach her how to... the basics of riding a horse and these horses seem pretty well behaved why didn't you take two horses like what's the reason for not having a second one like if one if the horse that horse breaks his leg you're fucked you could at least have a second one as a backup but no overall still really enjoy the show thought it was a good episode yeah it was a really good episode I I wonder how other people feel with the lack of infected so far. It's interesting, right? Because they made a decision in the video game. They've, they're kind of almost approaching going back to what the original the video game concept is, where the enemy is not, or the main danger is not the infected. It's Fedra and Raiders and Fireflies. And at the start of the TV show, they made the infected the main danger. And now they're kind of moving back in the direction of how the video game itself played, which is interesting. But yeah, I mean, I guess it would otherwise be difficult to explain if you're just wandering through the hills of Wyoming. Why would there be infected just living in the woods? Like, what are they living off of? Which is the other interesting point, right? Seemingly, this is not a virus, although it mutated to be 
able to be if to live in humans has not mutated seemingly to live in any other animal species no horse just humans horse dog none of them are at risk no i also want to know how they taught that dog to be able to test it and i get it dogs can dogs can sniff cancer dogs can do this but that takes a lot of training and a lot of experimentation and a lot of trials also just to have the fact that all of a sudden they have a dog that can accurately with, with I mean, what's the accuracy level on this dog? Well, have they ever tested that? Is he fifty percent accurate? Eighty percent accurate? As far as we, what's his false positive rate, uh, Frank? As far as we can tell, zero <laughs> percent accurate. I mean, <laughs> but I don't know because does she have it in her or not? I still like you don't know. I guess. Yeah, you have to assume. Although it's on, it's in, it's on her arm. Yeah, so has... unless that is, but maybe that's dead. Maybe. And maybe it can't detect dead fungus, only live fungus it can detect. But yeah, I mean, look, the first 150 dogs they went through being like, hey, go smell that, and just got ripped apart <laughs> by, by an infected person. Also, what happened to that dog? They rode, I mean, they rode back to Jackson Hole. No dog in sight. Oh, he was on the horse. Was he? He has his own horse. <laughs> I don't know. So... I think maybe they they use it as like a disposable test. Just go sniff that one person, and then we just put you down. Move on to the next dog. It actually has nothing to do with the dog. The dog has no ability. They watch to see how the person reacts. And if the person yeah. eats the dog, then they know it's infected. No, it's Jackson Hole, you have to be a dog person. That was the test she passed when she like actually just started petting the dog. It's like, okay, she's not a cat person. We can have her. These are the people we murder when they come near. If they're cat people, oh, take a hike. Eddie, I have been watching one other show on Netflix. I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but it's called Physical 100. You mentioned it to me off podcast. I have okay. seen the trailer and not it's watched, pretty good. And not watched <laughs> any of it. It's, it is absolutely right up my alley. It is. They picked. It's a Korean show where they pick the 100 most fit and uh, like fit and most athletic, I'll say, people. So it's a lot of like YouTube bodybuilder personalities, um, power lifters, wrestlers. Uh, the probably the front runner is a uh, skeleton. Uh, the, like the, the Olympics, you know, the winter Olympic, the, the winter Olympic sport, not yeah. an actual skeleton. I don't know what you call that. A, a skeletoner, yeah. Yeah, a skeleton competitor. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's pretty good just because I, I just like seeing super athletic people get pushed to their limits. So in that, in that regard, it's pretty fun to watch. It's, it's very long. Like they, make it overly long they'll repeat the same scene like three times that's the problem with, from different angles that you don't really need that's reality tv sh in general though right yeah so they could cut down the time but it is pretty cool like they're down to the the final five contestants right now so it's like the final trial they're about to do because it's, it's being released per, by week um and all like these people are just freaks like athletic freaks it's fun to watch So it's it's kind of it has a, a a hint of Squid Game, but without the killing. <laughs> oh wow, that's good to hear. I would definitely watch but it. But they if... do, but they do shatter a glass, not glass, I guess, but like a a, a ceramic bust of themselves when they lose. <laughs> oh, sort of like a terracotta warrior kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I might give it a go as time. I, I hope they do an American version. I don't know. That would just feel, I feel like the American version, having not watched the Korean version, but if I had to guess. They won't get good people. It will just be full of douchebags. And then it will just evolve into like American Ninja Warrior, basically, where you're just got total yeah. losers taking part. I mean, the issue is, is they won't be able to get the top, top level athletes. You know, like you're not going to get, I mean, they have. They have a baseball player in there, but he's an American ex, like an expat. I think you're so he can't like really speak Korean. I think you're doing a slight disservice to Korean sport 
by thinking that these are their very best athletes. Like I'm sure this is, but you would have, if you did in the U S you would get Olympians. Yeah. But these are like, uh, like yeah, I agree with you, but I think these is, are like their best. Do they, do they have son? Yeah. <laughs> no, but you see what I mean? Like it's easy. It's not, it's not Korea's very best athletes. It's obviously, I'm sure for upper level. Yeah. But you would get it the same in the U S think of how many you get jackass Olympians. If you, if the prize money was enough and if you had the recording time be at the right time so that it didn't interfere with their training seasons or, you know, competition, if you're like, Hey, we're going to record this over two weeks. You get $150,000. You want to come and do it? I think you get almost every Olympian saying, I'm in. Yeah. Olympians, I don't think will be an issue, but like, I don't think you're going to get many NFL players or. No, you're not going to get LeBron James. You're not going to get LeBron James. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't put him on there anyway. I don't know. Prime. (laughs) Actually, I probably would. Prime LeBron James (laughs) is going to be pretty hard to beat. Yeah. But it's it's fun. It's a fun. It's a pretty fun show. I enjoy it. Other than that, I haven't. I'm going to start the full swing, probably this week or next week. It's going to be my new uh, elliptical show. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I'll have to. I'm going to see what's going to take up my Sunday evening viewing. hasn't I haven't been in this because having been away for one week and then. Uh, kind of busy last weekend. I'll figure out what's what's really going to take up my time Sunday night. Yet yet to figure out what that will be, but it'll probably be some terrible TV show. Well, Ted Lasso maybe comes back soon. Yeah, I have Ted Lasso back. To be honest with you, I have been watching Always Sunny. Flips. No, Always Sunny from start to finish. Having never, wow. having never kind of religiously watched Always Sunny. It's been one of those TV shows where I've seen episodes. You know what I mean? Like, if it's on, I'll watch an episode, but I've not, it's never been kind of appointment viewing for me. And as it's now on Disney Plus here, I have started from scratch going through the episodes. Which one? Have you gotten to the, have you gotten to the wild card episode yet? Uh, Yes. (laughs) my favorite one i mean one th- <laughs> one thing that struck me there's the one scene where they go to the sex party and it was eerily similar to the sex party that vasilis described aside from the fact that he claimed that they were attractive people at his but the focus being the so fit- you think vasilis lied to you and just watch an episode of always sunny <laughs> there is a zero percent chance he even knows what always sunny is like genuinely if you had to put a gun to my head and told me, let's say I ask Vasilis if what Always Sunny is, there's no way he knows. Has he ever been in Jackson's Hole? Oh, that at the sex party, yeah. <laughs> All right, I guess with that, we'll wrap it up and look forward to some Champions League action this week. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah.